They're back on the Football Outside the Box podcast, where we discuss the past, the present, and the future of football. So, last week, we discussed how we could possibly improve the competition in the European Football Leagues. This week, we want to take a look at the actual game itself, how we can make the games more competitive, exciting, more, just more action-inducing. Because I know a lot of the critiques that come from usually American fan bases is that there's just nothing happening in football, right? And that comes from them watching the likes of uh, basketball, for example, or even football. There's like a hundred, in football, there's like a hundred plus plays in a single game where you have to pay attention to, even though not everything leads to uh, a touchdown or a field goal. So we took inspiration from uh, Gerard Piquet's, uh, I forget what, what he calls it exactly, but um, it, it's a new type of league that's been gaining steam and you know, Aguero's been, I think he's been commenting on it on Twitch, um, and, it, and it's certainly growing in popularity. So we thought we would discuss two things today. What if we make the field smaller? And whether separate or in combination, what if we reduced the number of players from 11 on the pitch to five or six? Because, you know, five-a-side is just such a popular thing to do, right? You, every player you ask, Pick your dream five aside. So, I mean, let's hear it. Yeah, I mean, to kind of simplify what you're describing, think of it just as a scrimmage. Like you said, a five aside or even a six aside scrimmage, right? Including the keeper. Do we do we small well, in the goals? Do we need a keeper now? I mean, I mean, this this is crazy, but right, that was gonna be all right. So that that leads into the next one, right? So. Do we shrink the goal sizes, not have a set keeper, but someone who's allowed to stand in front of the goal? Do we put a, a space, like maybe cones that can kind of, or like a line that kind of says, okay, no player is allowed in this section, or at least you're not allowed to touch the ball in that section? There's many different ways we can go about it, but it's a, it's a very, very interesting question to bring up because a lot of times even... We ask ourselves, even as ballers, like I, I like to play scrimmage myself, right? I'm actually gonna b- b- about to go and play today, to be honest. But the question we ask a lot of the times is, you know, we review back players and say, oh, that player is good, this player is good, but this player is good on a big field, or I'd rather take this player on a small field who can work in tight spaces. And it's interesting because I think a lot of the times when you hear coaches and other people who play ball, they always say. The real ballers can play in the tight spaces. Right. And if that truly is the case, then let's let's get the best ballers on the field in the tightest spaces possible and see who can really play in tight spaces. The field nowadays is too big to test tight spaces at a consistent basis or at a at a high frequency. So I think this would be if it's not, as you said, if it's not going to be completely to change football into small-sided games, but to at least introduce a new small-sided tournament or a small-sided league or something along these lines. Not futsal, because that's a whole different game. 
but but like football set up like futsal. Right. Like, for example, what if we tried this in, in the Carabao Cup? You know, so, something... This is going to be very hard to implement over a 38-game league season, but in a in a cup competition where you know you only have to play what at most seven games to to win the final or to get to the final and win it why not just try it you know because like you said a lot of the highlight reels that we see online and like you said the the players that we call so-called ballers are are players dribbling on a tight spaces tight marked getting away from uh players that are marking you tightly you know and we we tend to value players who, who need space less right so for example i mean a prime example i could think of is marcus rashford of course i mean he, he's, a, he's a great player still but would i put him along with the likes of mbappe um you know the, the so-called top world-class players not yet because we know his strength his main strength lies in getting that space in behind. So are we taking that aspect out of the game if we do implement this? Because that is certainly an important part of the game. You know, that counterattacks are the way t lower teams get to score against these these teams that, you know, they're inferior to on, on paper. Then why do we call the players that can play in tight spaces the real ballers? Doesn't make sense, right? Because we're looking at... I want to one-up you on the Rashford thing and ask you about Cristiano Ronaldo. Would he, obviously as great as a, of a player as he's been, would he thrive in an environment like a scrimmage setting? Or would he even be one of the best players of all time? Well, I think that's up for debate. But I think at this stage of his career, he will not be playing in the Saudi Arabian League. He's he's the main reason he's not in the European top leagues is because he doesn't have the legs to cover the full pitch, right? Whereas now and these days, we're asking even the strikers to drop deep and help out. If the pitch were to be smaller and there were less people to mark, he would be so much more valuable, even at his age of 38. Well, I said I don't even want to look at him now. I want to look at him in his prime. And I know Ronaldo is such an interesting person to analyze because there's Manu fans who believe Ronaldo's best years were at Manu. You know, you, you always hear, yo, never forget Manu Ronaldo, the one who was the real winger, the real dribbler. And then there's Real Madrid Ronaldo who really made his name by just his sheer number of goals. I want to look at, I think at Manu, the Ronaldo at Manu would be great in a setting like this. But when it comes to the, the Real Madrid Ronaldo, the one that everybody admits, me included, has to admit this guy was, at that moment in time, the best player in the world. And would, I, would, we, would we sit here and say that had the game been a scrimmage field where we say, yo, the real talent are the ones who, who can play in those tight areas. Ronaldo wasn't necessarily designed to play in those tight areas and get out of tight spaces. Not saying he can't, but that's not his game. I mean, no, I mean, I have to disagree because, yes, we might. I mean, it's it's after his injury for before the 2014 World Cup where he, he, he stopped dribbling and changed his playing style. But 
I mean, the guy has scored the most amount of goals in in football history, in Champions League history. I I think he's a bit behind the league of um uh, in for, to, to Messi, but overall, this guy scored what seven hundred plus goals. But how does he get those goals? Is because he, he has the space. Not not every. I mean, what is he known for? Of course, he's known for his physicality, but he's known for his his beastly jumping abilities. Where that's not gonna change in a smaller field. He, but it kind of will his... though, because what about the what about the possibility of no keeper and smaller goals? Does aerial threat now come into play? <laughs> I mean, I mean, if we're just looking at it, you know, we, when we implement something, there's always unintended consequences. So. If we take out the keepers, at first look, we might be thinking, you know, why why even cross at all? Because, you know, there, there's there's just no point in in floating the ball up because there's just no no goalkeeper to beat. But I I, I don't think that's just gonna be the case. Like it is in many other rules that's been implemented, there's always un, unintended consequences. I don't think eliminating the goalkeepers would take away the the importance of a header. You know, imagine you're going up against uh, Lissandro Martinez. I mean, he's he's a lone center back, let's say, against Ronaldo, right? Ronaldo and and I mean, he could beat him in in a one v one on the ground, but in order to increase the odds of him beating the center back, you're better off just floating the ball up in the air, where you know there's it's only one one goal for Ronaldo there, right? You just have to beat the center back and, and keep the ball. So I don't necessarily think that Ronaldo would suddenly become not one of the best players in the world. Although I, I agree, in this environment, I mean, you could imagine Messi would probably be the the undoubted best right, player. Right, the outright best player. Right. But I think with this in play, I think there's a lot of other players who don't get recognized as much on a big field as they would on a small field. So, like, even me, for example, I feel like I play better on a small field than I do on a big field, funnily enough. Uh, yeah, and I, I, feel, think... I feel the opposite because I don't have the technicalities. I rely on my physicalities. Now, I'm not saying I'm a... I'm, I'm probably not even... If my rating were in FIFA, I'll probably be like two. But <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying, in terms of... There's different players, like you said... Like you would prefer uh, uh, like a scrimmage, whereas I would prefer sp space being afforded to me because I rely more on physicality, and that's that's the same for every single player that you look at in 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 the game. Right, and and you know even like I'm gonna use an Arsenal man like a Fabio Vieira. I know he's not necessarily like a household name at the moment, but the reason I bring him up is because a lot of people give him shit for his lack of physicality. And I think everyone realizes he's clearly a technical player. It's players like this that I think would shine in environments like that. And then I just think the whole spectrum of the, the, the rankings for who is the best player right now would all shift. Everything would just be would just be different. Maybe not 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 drastically, but I th I think it would be a lot. But then you look at it this way, right? You, you speaking of technical players who probably lack the physicality to help out maybe defensively, a, a, a former Arsenal man who has just retired, Cesc Fabregas. 
he was never known for his physicality his, or his, I mean, he's, he's slow as he, he was slower than JT, you know, and JT was pretty slow, but what he was actually known for was his technicality, right? But he was able to find those passes in behind. So in a sense, it would mask up his weaknesses when it comes to physicalities, but it would also take away one of his strengths where it is his ability to find those deep passes that gets a player into uh, the opponent's box and straight on 1v1 with the keeper. So it, it's not so simple as, oh yeah, he's going to be a great baller because he doesn't have to rely on his physicality too much now. But you're also taking that aspect of the game out as well. Again, talking about the unintended consequences that I that I mentioned. Yeah, and that, that's a great point because that's one of Fabregas' strengths, as he said, right? Those through passes, those the ability to connect with a player who does rely on that space that you're talking about or who does relish on this this the space in behind like Rashford, right? It's Fabregas. It's a, it's a player like Fabregas who unlocks that opportunity for a player like Rashford. I agree with that. I can agree with that. But I think without a Rashford to be connecting onto that, the pass is essentially useless from Fabregas, right? So I want to look at somebody like even a Santi Cazorla, you know how much I love Santi Cazorla. The man was on frigging real at keeping the football and getting out of tight spaces. He would be probably the the ideal player for a scenario like this. And and then there's another aspect of a of a player like a scores, who was also a midfield maestro, who was able to just get the ball and just ping it wherever he wanted, bang, on a dime. But as you said, is that pinging even going to be required anymore? Scholes doesn't need to do his long passing anymore. Andrea Pirlo doesn't need to ping it on a dime anymore. It's about it's about the tiki-taka. It's about the quick. It's about the movement of the ball. I think those are aspects that are going to be 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 looked at more. How how do you think would be how do you think a player like Muller or a Havertz or a Ram or however you want to pronounce that, and Adele Ali. How do you think these types of players would fit in to a system like this? Uh, yeah, I mean that's a good question to ask because they mostly rely on their their great work ethic. I mean, I would I would even include Mason Mount in that. I know he's not the same type of player, but the general theme is I think I know where you're getting at. The players who are are workhorses, like who run all around the pitch and get in those areas. And unless you've got the technicalities, they're probably being phased out because you don't you don't need them to be on one side of the pitch and the other side of the pitch a minute later. Anybody can do that because the pitch is a lot smaller. So, yeah, so I think it is obvious that if this were to be implemented, the importance of players with the technical abilities will just skyrocket. If anything, you know, the importance will obviously grow, but to the point where the players like, I'm trying to think of a player that maybe lacks the physicality or sorry, maybe has the physicality, but lacks that, that technical quality to survive in this, in this format, like, like a McTominay, for example, you know, he could, his strength is making those runs uh, almost like a box box player, but I mean, he's got a great shot. But he's not a reliable passer of the ball or a keeper of the ball. Or when he gets pressed, 
he makes mistakes. So those are the kind of players that you are probably going to see being phased out if this were to be implemented. So you made a good, two good remarks there that I want to touch on. One of them was with the size of the field being smaller and players who make mistakes when they are pressed. I think the field being smaller emphasizes how important that high press is. When you're actually in the scenario of a small-sided game, I think people underestimate how how vital a team press can be. And that's if everybody's pressing, right? Regular well, I mean, circumstances. I mean, I mean, we see that when, when City lose the ball or when Arsenal lose the ball, they try to high press and try to win it back right away, right? So usually those two teams are pinning the opposition in their own half, you know? So we're already almost seeing that. The, the field is cut in half and all they've got to do is just not let them get out of that 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 box that they've been pinned in so yeah like you said and how do they and and what makes that so effective what makes it so effective is they cut out the space all they do is just create a lack of space for the opposition to play out of so think about it now if the field is smaller for the opposition there's already less space to play with so you as a pressing defensive side you now have less space to ensure that is right. blocked up so less responsibility essentially right there's no rush for to worry about running in behind your space that you've left behind right there's just uh, that right, right as you said it right there's less space to worry about that's all it is at the end of the day so i think that high press will be crucial and because of that I think it's important to acknowledge that there needs to be a balance, as there does in in regular football, as right now. I think that there needs to be a balance as well in the small sided scrimmage, because as you said, like the workhorses, they they help with that higher pressing. If it's all technical players, maybe maybe they won't have the physicality to be able to press with the intensity that's needed to cause those mistakes from a guy like McTominay. Right, and I I feel bad to have brought out a, a name from 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 my team, but another player that I could bring up is Daniel James. Players like Daniel James are there's nowhere there there's nowhere for them to play, you know. So now shifting from a player perspective to a team perspective, what makes a team like uh, Norwich or Burnley who are promoted so hard to get a result against the, the top teams is because the field is so big, at least I think. Because, like we've said, they're being pinned back in their own half and they have to go all the full length of the pitch to even have a chance, right? So in this scenario, if the field were to shrink, let's say, into half, they've only got to progress to to the half point, right? So in theory, I could see score lines like seven, four happening more often because it's just you're just gonna it's just gonna be a lot easier for you to get into those those chances and those spaces. Yeah, we and when you get into those chances and those spaces, you invite more shots, naturally. Even when I was in tra- when I used to train in, in school, we would play with the goals closer together smaller just to get to get shooting training and we we're encouraged just to get the ball turned shoot 
just to practice those shots. Right. And I think if the game was set up like that and you encourage more of those shots, you'll see obviously more goals and more you'd probably see more more players who have shots than we would actually expect. Like for example, when company rasped that shot for to to win the league for City or to win that match that is in, that in turn won the league. You don't expect that. Even Kyle Walker has a shot on him, to be honest. Like those are things that we would see more of. Yeah. In the end, I I see this creating more balance between the teams. You know, the I know players like Daniel James are valuable to uh, to the lower sides, but there's quality players on every team. You know, let let's look at Let's look at Southampton, for example. I mean, I know they got relegated, but you look at the likes of Lavia. He was he was being thrown bombs to him by 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 all his players, and he was always able to evade the press, you know, and 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 be that first progressor of a pass. And I know not everybody has that player, but like even even on Wolves, I mean, I'm trying to think of a defender on a, on a lower side, Max Kilman. This guy actually played futsal professionally before becoming a professional footballer he's got the ability to the technical ability to play in this scenario so i i want to encourage through this scenario to for teams to be to play more football you know let's this is not a track and field meet you know we, we, we anybody can run but not everybody can play football right so you want him to utilize that skill set a bit more right so oh, let me ask you though. So if we were to pick a five aside right now, if you were to pick a five aside out of the current Premier League players, okay. are we including keepers? Let us include keepers. Then let's make it a six aside. So keeper and then okay. two keeper two, and six. Yeah, two, two, one. Keeper. You can set I mean, up however you want, formation wise. Well, I'll I'll just go for a two to one. I mean, a keeper. You know what I what I'm gonna say, Allison. He's the best keeper in the in the league, both saves and with his feet. But as no, that's the thing. So in a foot in a small side setting like this, does the feet of the keeper weigh more now than the saving ability? Hmm. That yeah, that's true. Yeah. I mean, save is the only reason why I take Allison over Ederson. So I guess in this case, I would have to go with Ederson. Yeah, it's just uh it's just the questions, right? Ramsdale is arguably good with his feet too. You could ask all these questions, but all right. So Ederson is your pick. Defenders. Hmm. Oh, this is tricky. I mean, do you go with two center halves, or do you go with a fullback and a center half, or two fullbacks? Um. I mean, you would assume fullbacks are more comfortable on the ball than than most of of center backs. I'll I'll go with. I think one of the best one v one defenders is in the league, and maybe it is biased, but I think it's it's Lissandro Martinez. So I'll probably pick him there. I mean, his on the ball is is there's no doubt in that. Um, I'll probably go with another center back. Pace is not as important in, in a small-sided scenario. Um, another 1v1 beast. Not so much anymore, I guess you could say, um, but it's got to be Virgil van Dijk. 
But then again, is Virgil van Dijk going to be rated this high? You know, his he's rated that high because he can he can do everything. He can step up and he can cover that massive space left behind. So, but I, I think I'm still going to go with um, van Dijk. Okay. All right. Let me give you then my my startup. Yeah. yeah, my defense. I have to agree with you on Edison. We don't need to even discuss that one. But my defender is going to sound biased. I'm going to go with Saliba, bro. Honestly, I'm not even going on profile right now just on like what you've won. I'm going off profile of how you are as a player. And Saliba is smart. He keeps it simple. He doesn't try anything too crazy. Excellent defender, as we all know. He's strong, uses his body well. And if you notice, he's very good in tight spaces when he's under pressure. Very, very good at that. Yeah. Um, I'll start off with the midfield then, and then you can you so, can follow up. So you have one de- one defender. One defender, yes. And I'm doing this on purpose to have to have the big center back be there because I think Saliba can marshal it out. Obviously, we'll have runners coming back and stuff. We're gonna have support as a team coming back. But I think Saliba is confident enough to be able to marshal it by himself, and he's quick enough to do it. The midfield, I'm going very technical and very attacking on my midfield because I want to keep the ball. And my first off, it has to be Bernardo Silva. I don't think that there is anybody in the Premier League who would be better than him in this small-sided scenario. And honestly, maybe in the world. Well, to be honest, he's not bad defensively either. He isn't at all. He even played left-back for City already, so... I mean, I'm trying to think, is there anybody in the world better than him in this scenario? I can't think of any. Yeah, I mean, no, no, no arguments there. Yeah. Who are you going after Bernardo then? Because I'm I'm assuming you're picking Bernardo as well. Well, I don't want to pick the same players. I'm gonna let you finish out your team and then I'll I'll move on to my two midfield. All right. It have to be, like I said, Bernardo. And I think the next one, I'm skeptical with it. Just because I see him make few but mistakes every now and again in crucial areas. But the youth is a baller and he's my captain. It's Odegaard, bro. The youth is just too cold in those tight areas and we've seen it. And to mention it as well, you spoke about the work rate needed for it. He's defensively very, very hardworking and he can nick in with the goal when needed. So Odegaard is going to be my selection in that midfield right there. And the last one? That's what? No, hold on. No, because I picked one. Oh, are you going for two midfield? Yeah, I went two midfield. Okay. And then, do I want to go one more midfielder and do I want three one or do I want to go two strikers? I might have, you know what I'm going to do? Again, this is going to sound a bit biased, but I'm going to go with a bit of a hybrid here. Of an attacking midfield, of a midfielder as a striker, I'm going with Gabby Jesus because I think this guy is one of the best players on the football itself. And we know about his work rate, we know about his pressing. The guy is a monster where that is concerned. Probably one of the best natural dribblers there is in the, the league. The guy can't score with the goal as is. What's he gonna do with the goal shrinking? That's the that's the that's the one part. That's why I say hybrid midfielder attacker. We're going to have to need. Somebody who can score the goals and do it in a situation like this. 
And that person for me is, as much as I hate to say it, pain. Yeah. Using the body up there. People, I think, underestimate that aspect, how important a target man is in a situation, in a small-sided game situation. Like how you said, a fast player like Rashford is basically useless. Take the opposite of that, a target man, you have everything you need. And Kane can pretty much do it all. So it's going to be him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. I was going to pick a defensive midfielder, but I don't think I need to. I mean, I've already picked two center halves that can, that can do most of the work. First one in the midfield is going to be Jack Grealish. I mean, I guess I could have picked Bernardo Silva in there too, but similar to Bernardo, uh, Grealish can can do it all. You know, he will not lose the ball. He can find a pass if, if needed. On the other side, this is where, I mean, I was going to pick Declan Rice, but I don't think I need to. He crossed my mind too. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I think he would fit your side better, seeing how attacking you, you are. Um, but I think this might sound a little surprising, but I'm going to go with Mo Salah. Yeah, you have to explain that one because that kind of confuses me. And, I mean, we always say his dribbling is not conventional. He always looks awkward. But I can't think of a better left-footed player to get out of tight spaces than Mo Salah. I mean, because you've already picked Bernardo Silva. Right. That's the thing. So, to me, I wouldn't go Salah, to be honest. I don't think Salah is designed or fit for this type of situation. But I don't, I don't think he is either. I mean, he's 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 got great physicality, but I also see him do very well in tight spaces like this, like the situation is going to present to him. And I wouldn't have said this like two years back, but it, it just it just works for him. You know, there's there, it's it's like it just works. I don't I don't know how to describe it. It's weird, yeah. It's like one of those unorthodox things where you're like, how the hell is that working every time? But it just does. Yeah, I mean, you look at a lot of the goals that he scored. He's making that tiny bit of space to to create a shot angle, and he's just scoring. You know, he's clinical. So that's that. And for my striker, I mean, Harry Kane's the obvious answer, but I'm gonna I might go a little unorthodox again. Firmino. Ooh, I like that pick. I actually like that pick. Yeah, Firmino. I don't think we need to mention uh, he's he's gonna be a great fit for that striker. Link up plays hundred percent. Um. I don't need him to score that many goals, even though he could technically, um, because that goal scoring is gonna be on Salah. So I think I think that side's pretty balanced. Yeah, and Firmino has a defensive work rate as well. He is almost like that hybrid type of player that I picked to Jesus. It's kind of the same. Right, right. I mean, but Firmino's high point was was better individually, I think, than than Jesus, right? At, at his peak. But Jesus is not there yet, arguably. So. Well, yeah, so far. Yeah, so far. So far, yes. Firmino, in my opinion, Firmino is slightly more lean towards link-up play. I prefer him for that. And Jesus slightly more lean towards dribbling, in my opinion. Yeah, I could see that, yeah. But either way, both sides look sharp. Let us know who you think has the better five-a-side squad. We, we, six aside, we know who's taking the win, bro. Yeah, nobody's right, no, that, actually, <laughs> for real. <laughs> nobody's getting past Van Dyke and, and Martinez. And... Well, I forgot to say that. Well, I forgot to say that. 
Let us know who you think had the better six-a-side score. That's all we have time for today. Guys, thanks for tuning in as always. We hope you enjoyed your time with us. Remember to subscribe, to leave comments, and share with your friends. Follow us on social media at FOTBPod. Don't forget to leave a review, rating, and most importantly, don't forget to turn on those notifications. Join us again next time as we discuss the highly anticipated upcoming Premier League action. Thanks again as always. See you then.